Welcome to The M Word, where we bring you unfiltered conversations about all things marketing. Join us as we discuss the many highs and lows, bumps and twists, failures and successes of marketing and running a successful business. We are your hosts, Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Get ready for an uncensored journey into the world of marketing. Hi, Jess. Welcome to The M Word. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. We are so glad that you're here. And fun fact, uh, this is Heather talking, by the way. All three of us have worked here at Arlington Strategy at some point and in some capacity. And I think it's really cool that we're now all sitting around the conference room table talking about marketing on a podcast. Yeah. And I, I mean, we have enough people now who are alumni. Maybe we just limit the podcast. <laughs> Arlington Strategy Alumni Association members. It's a good idea. That's that's a great plug for you. That's awesome. So Jess, tell us about your time here at Arlington Strategy, and then we'd love to hear what you're doing now. Absolutely. So I joined Jennifer when it was a very tiny company, and it was my first job after having babies. So it was a, a tricky time for me. Um, my husband worked a lot, and it was a job that was supportive, and Jennifer enabled me to work, but also take care of my little ones. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. So worked here for six years, started, you know, very junior as a marketing assistant. I think that was my first title. Um, and then by the time I left, I was running the whole place as I like to say it. And it was really hard to leave though, because I absolutely loved Jennifer and we had such a great partnership. Um, and I learned so much. I used to tell my friends, it's like being in a business class, like Jennifer, I would just ask her a question. She'd stand up at a whiteboard and just teach. So it was such a good experience and it was really hard for me to leave. Well, and fun fact too, I think, I think the most successful people that um, I've worked with have one very uh, common thread and it's not that they're women, although they've been women. We're going to talk about women and work and entrepreneurship, Um, but it's the love of the word What is it, ladies? (laughs) Let's just say we're potty mouths. (laughs) A lot of four-letter words. Yeah, we might hear some today, if we're lucky. They just have so much power. You know what I mean? Like, you can just say that word and be done. You don't have to say a lot of extra things. Yeah, and when I hear someone else say it, and I've just met them, I'm like, oh, I'm going to like you. (laughs) Exactly. It's instant. So, Jess, what are you doing now? I'm running a startup called Greenlist, and Greenlist enables peer-to-peer returns. So right now when you return something you've bought online, like a jacket, it goes back to a store, a warehouse, or a landfill. 30 to 50% of clothes go directly to landfill. And so with our technology, that jacket instead goes directly to another consumer, what we're calling peer-to-peer returns. Uh, first to market concept, do not recommend that pursuing that as an entrepreneur. It is lonely, tough journey, um, but we're making a lot of progress and getting a lot of traction, so it's really exciting. I thought a tenant of good marketing is being first only or best. <laughs> so where first do you fit best. into that? <laughs> Both, obviously. Um, we actually do have copycats now. So we're not the only people on the market doing this at this point, which is validating, also a little annoying. My competitive spirit has come out times 100. So can you explain this a little bit more to me? I love the concept, peer-to-peer returns. Is this a dashboard? Is there, like, walk me through the process, like, behind the scenes, what's happening? 
That's a great question. So we're actually focused on stores that are on Shopify right now. We work primarily in apparel and furniture, although we're quickly expanding to beauty and lighting um, companies. So right now it's a little widget and we're on a website. Our main apparel client is called Vestique. And if you go on their website, there's a little button that says, do you want to add this to your green list? Is it sold out or do you want a discount? So they don't give um, free shipping right now, but when you green list it, they get free shipping. So you click on our button, it pulls up a little thing where you say size and color, you pick what you want, and then you add it to your green list. So essentially we are a wish list of the returns that people are waiting on. And then when someone else goes to make that return, they log into Vestique system. We say, do we have someone waiting on this? If we do, a match is made, we take over the process completely, and it goes peer to peer. But all those steps that you just outlined, Jess, is it, you know, when you say we see if we have somebody who wants it, is this a manual match happening? Is it instantaneous? Like how? It's all built technology. So it is instantaneous. It happens. The technology does it. We don't do anything on our end. Um, that said, we are running some manual tests with furniture just to see if it'll work. And it's working so far. That's fantastic. But how did you get there? Because I mean, last, <laughs> last, last we talked, that's not entirely true because we talk, but uh, you were working as a marketing director for a marketing agency and then you are a tech startup founder. Yeah. Wow, that's Big quite job. the leap. It is quite the leap. And it's funny because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur like my whole life, constantly thinking of different ideas and things I wanted to pursue. And one day I was shopping online and a jacket sold out in my shopping cart. Totally obsessed with this jacket, had to have it. So I reached out to the store and I said, can you connect me to a return of the jacket? Because I knew it would get returned. They couldn't do this. No store does this. I thought it was crazy. So that, at that point, that's when I quit my job and built a small team around myself and started doing a lot of research. And what I quickly realized is that the industry is very pollutive and returns play a big part of that, right? They're shipped across country, they pile up in warehouses, they're shipped abroad. Um, so as I continue to think about my problem, I thought, why don't we ship that jacket directly from your house to my house instead of back to the warehouse? So that's what we're doing. And so that's kind of how I came up with the idea and how we got to where we started. Um, I started reading a lot of books on technology, how do you build technology, how do you build a business? A lot of reading, a lot of research. So are you, do you have that development background or have you hired? Of course not. Okay. I've made this as hard as I possibly can for myself. <laughs> I have no retail background. I've never worked in a clothing store. Um, didn't, didn't know anything about technology. Didn't know anything about building a business. Well, I did know a little bit because we worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. But yeah, no, starting from scratch. So it's been, it's been tough. It's been a journey. Well, and it's also a brilliant idea. I would never think about someone returning that one thing that I wanted. Yeah. I'm always just like, dang it, I missed it. Right. You don't have to miss it anymore. You know, and to me, it was like such a no-brainer, right? And so our process is 50% more profitable for the returns that we transact, and they travel like 45% less miles. So it's really a complete no-brainer where like you're hitting your profitability and you're more sustainable. So why not? So why not? Because so you've been working on this for how many years now? Uh, it'll be four in November. So I agree with you. It's like it's a 
fantastic. It makes business sense. Like there's no reason not to be doing this. So why aren't retailers lining up and do what's your, what's your hurdle to make this go to market? Well, we are in market and we're expanding quickly. Um, one thing that's been my hurdle is that I'm talking to companies like Gap, Ralph Lauren, they're massive. And so our solution sits on five different departments and we have to get approval and buy-in from everyone. It's not just a solution that's just for logistics or just for e-commerce. It's for all of them, right? So moving through billion-dollar companies takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. It's not a quick, sure, Jess, like you tiny startup in Northern Virginia, come on, let's go, right? Like we're asking them to implement this with all of their billions of clients. Have you run any pilot programs, created case studies? Like what, are you able to show them the proof of of what this could actually become? We are. We have a case study with Festique, um, our main apparel client, and it's, I think I already shared the numbers just to show that it's more profitable and more sustainable. Our margins change like all the time because we're playing around with the discount that they offer. And so like if we have a bigger discount, does it move the needle more? smaller, whatever. It hasn't really changed. So we're making the discount smaller. Okay. So you've said, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit because we're talking, you know, technical around your startup. It's you're in market. So I apologize for that. (laughs) But you've said a few times, like it's hard. Like it's, it's, uh, um, define that. Like what is hard and like, and, and what is hard from a, it's a long to-do list that has to get done and what's hard from the you know, vantage point of the person who is this founder and what you're dealing with sort of in all of you. I don't even know where to start. Um, it's been really hard. There's been times where I've been like, okay, this is definitely what we need to be focused on next. And then other times where I'm just making shit up, right? And I have no idea what we should be doing or where should we should be spending our resources, our time and our efforts. So I have a lot of really strong advisors that have helped me, right? And sometimes I think I'm asking too many people the same thing, and then I get a million different answers. Um, but it's, it's definitely been a long struggle for us. Um, and it's lonely as a founder, especially as a female founder. There's not many of us, right? So it's like, how do we stick together? How do we find our tribe? And how do we support each other? So... You part of your tribe um, is this group of founders. I mean, you were on a billboard in in Times Square, right? Yeah, it was really cool. So you know, from the outside, it's like, well, damn, they, look, she's they've made it. They must be just dripping in financing and backers, and you know, you don't get there if you're not serious and right. and validated from the outside. So, um, tell me more about this tribe of female founders and, and, you know, that, is it a veneer of, of having made it or is it, you know, an important sort of milestone in the, in the journey? Yeah. I think that like all founders are struggling, female, male, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. It's just, it's hard and it's trying to break through in any industry is not easy, right? No matter how big your solution is or how, I mean, we're trying to disrupt an entire process that again, don't recommend that. Um, but it's, I think it's hard for anybody who's running their own business. You know, that's just the reality. And being on Times Square was really, really cool. And we were part of a group called New York Fashion Tech Lab. And so that's why we got picked to do that. And I think 
of those founders, half of the founders were absolutely killing it. And the other half of us were just kind of trying to figure it out day by day and seeing like, what is going to take us to the next level? How can we move the needle? How can we onboard these big clients? So how are you helping each other? You know, is it, is it a support group, accountability group? Are they just, you know, they're, they're people who get what you're going through. So is there uh, ongoing support that you're getting from each other? Yeah, I mean, I just got off a call with another founder right before we, we met today, right? And she's been pursuing her business for almost 10 years now. So it's just constantly reaching out to people and saying, how can I help you? can you help me with this, right? Like she has a friend who works at Birdies. And so I'm going to try and get an in at Birdies, right? There's just a lot of different ways that we're constantly trying to support each other. And are you raising money? Like, and how is that going? I am raising money. I'm raising $2.5 million right now. So it's going okay. Um, So far, so good. It's really, really hard, right? It's women get less than 2% of funding and those numbers are real. So I actually, when I was first raising money, not this time, but the last time I raised, I had my husband sit in on every single phone call because it was like, here's a smart white guy validating this idea to another white guy, which is, you know, nothing against white guys, but that was kind of the demographic that I was up against. And we got funding on every, um, almost every single phone call that he was a part of which I thought was so interesting, but he's busy, you know, he's got a job. And so he couldn't do all my fundraising for me. Um, but I just thought it was a really interesting experiment. And so now I've got people on my team who are men and women and we're actually testing, like what's the more effective pitch? Is it a female, a male? Is it two female? Is it two men? Like take Jess out completely. What is it? That's kind of infuriating. It's very infuriating. And it's, it's funny for me because we're in returns. We've been working in the apparel space. So I'm sitting with a room of like 60, 70 year old men at some point, you know what I mean? And I just, I see their eyes glazing over and they're like, you're doing what? Shopping? I don't make return. Like they just have no idea what we're doing. So it's hard to connect with that audience sometimes. Yeah. Cause they've got a woman at home who's <laughs> helping them out. But exactly. so er, earlier before the show, we were talking and I was like, it pisses me off. And you said, I can't, I don't have, I don't have space to get pissed. Like I can't get pissed. Yeah. Like how do you not get pissed? <sighs> I do get pissed all the time. Um, I just have to focus on what we're doing. Right. And like, I can't change that I'm a female. It is what it is. So I have to use it to my strength and, you know, just think about it in a different, different way. It is what it is. So I asked you to be on this podcast a long time ago and your answer was something in the realm of fuck no. So what brought you here today? Like what's changed? And, and like, why did you turn me down then? And it's like the book I'm writing of whether, you know, whether or not you should start your own business. And the answer is no, absolutely not. Especially if you're a female, right? Like, don't fucking do it. Full stop. Um, why did I say no? I said no because we were most likely going to be shutting the business down. We were failing. We weren't failing. We just weren't moving fast enough. And in a high growth startup, you have to be constantly moving, constantly growing, constantly raising money, right? And it wasn't... We were just moving too slowly. Um, And then someone popped up on the market that copied us exactly, copied our entire website, essentially. 
said they were pioneering peer-to-peer returns. And I said, you're not pioneering shit. Um, and the real um, competitive side of me can kind of push through. And then we also realized that what we were doing was a little off base. And so don't want to talk too much about that, but we are building Greenlist version two, which is a bigger solution. And it's really moving the needle with our sales. So you got pissed and it lit a fire and you're working faster now. Yes. It's a lit a fire that like, good luck putting out. I think that's fantastic. I love it too. And I especially appreciate your um, four-letter word drops. Thank you for those. You know, anytime. Um, so Jess, what would you... I have two questions. What would you tell Jess four years ago on the day that you walked away from a job that you knew well, that you loved? Um, what would you tell her today? And then what would you tell another female woman who's listening to this who has an idea but is terrified to do it? That's such a hard question. What would I tell her today? I would tell her to buckle up and to be patient because nothing happens quickly, right? Like it took me a full year to really even wrap my head around what I was trying to do, right? And then it took, I mean, now we're almost four years in and we just launched version one a year and a half ago. So it took so many years. It took so many conversations, so much networking, so much failing to get where we are, um, and it still doesn't really feel quite real. I don't know when it feels real. If, if, you, if you guys do, let me know. Um, because we're a working technology, right? I so mean, are like, you talking about the, the imposter syndrome side of like it feeling real, or are you talking about yeah. like the, the you know just all of it, like having a business? I think. I think until we're working at scale, it doesn't feel real, right? Like we've got a couple small clients. So I'm like, we need bigger clients. We need real revenue. We need to raise money. We need to be a startup that's not, that's like very, you know, making a lot of progress. And we are, but it doesn't seem to be happening fast enough in my, for my grand vision, if that makes sense. So I loved Heather's question about what would advice you'd give to other female entrepreneurs, but like... What would you tell yourself going back to that, you know, day one? What, what advice sitting now, knowing that you're still in the work, you're not, that you're not sitting on the mountaintop, like, you know, looking back at a business you've sold yet. You're still working in the business. So but right. where you are today, like, what would you tell yourself at the start? I think just like enjoy the journey and appreciate how much you're going to learn from it because that is, I've learned so much, right? And I've built this incredible network and we built something from nothing. Like we just had an idea or I just had an idea, right? And now it's an actual working technology that is, has the potential to really expand and scale into something that could really change the returns environment completely. Can we get personal? Absolutely. Okay. I don't know you that well. This is like the longest we've talked, unfortunately, but I'm sensing like some emotion, some fire. Like, what are you feeling? What am I feeling? Um, Is there something you want to just... I mean, I'm super excited about the next phase of our business. Let's just say that, right? Like, it's going to be... We have the opportunity to make a massive change and make a massive impact. So I think that's what I'm really excited about. It really, like, get up in the, in the 
morning and jump out of bed excited to get to work, right? And some of that is because we're finally getting real traction and making fast progress. Um, But I'm just really excited about what's next. And that's amazing. And I think the point for those listening is this doesn't happen overnight. No. And it's grit and pain. And yeah, there's days where you're like, is this really going to work? Yeah. And you just keep going. You have to keep going. I mean, I have wanted to give up so many times, but it's like, there's a reason I haven't, right? And now I know what it is, so. What is your reason for not giving up? Because we're so close. Because the, what we're doing is truly the model of the future of returns. I know that with my entire heart. And I did for a long time think, okay, maybe we're two years too early. And then these dudes popped up, got funding immediately. And I was like, oh shit, maybe we're two weeks too early. So then I was like, forget it. We're not too early. We're going for it. And so we're going for it. Is there anything that you want consumers to know about the shopping process, the returns process that, is there, is there, is there a demand here for consumers to demand a change that is going to ultimately impact what you're, you're building? Consumers are demanding change, right? They're, they're shopping their values. The younger consumers are coming up in spending power and they are demanding these sort of solutions for, from retailers. They wanna be more sustainable and that is obviously something that we do. We enable that with our process. So we see, we're very focused on our B2B business right now, but eventually it'll be B2B to C and we'll do the consumer push. We're just not quite ready for that. And how are you marketing currently to the B2Bs? We do a lot of um, ads on LinkedIn. It's a lot of networking. It's a lot of just strategy and then um, pushing on old people we've spoken to. I've talked to like name a company. We've talked to them. We've talked to almost every major retailer that you can think of. Amazon. (laughs) I've talked to Amazon. Walmart. Yes. Talked to Walmart. You name them. We've talked to them. Walmart asked if we could do 150 million transactions in an hour, something like that. I was like, of course, of course we can do that. We weren't even built yet. You you say yes and then you figure it out after, right? Exactly. Figure it out later. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of our motto. And how big is your current team? That's a good question. I've got Zach, I've got Ashley, I've got Robert. Robert and Ashley are my two co-founders. Zach is our chief of staff. Margie is a new ad. Elizabeth and Allegra. So a lot of these are part-time people, um, but we have an amazing core group. And then I've got a bunch of advisors who are phenomenal, including Jennifer, you count. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, for one, very proud of um, just the, the um, I, I don't know the right word because it's not like the risk. It's, it's more like having a vision and saying, I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but I'm going to damn well try. Like, I think that if, and you know, we're all moms in this room too. It's, if, if there is anything to model to our children, it is, you know, let your heart be really at the forefront of your decision-making. You've got to care and you've got to be willing to go after the things you care about. And I think I applaud you for that so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's been fun for my girls. They've been involved in like our branding and our naming, like everything. They see me 
working really hard. Now they also see me struggling, right? So it's not like sunshine and butterflies all the time. Um, so I've definitely never worked harder on anything in my life. And I think that's been, that's been a challenge for our family. It's changed our dynamics, you know? So we've had to work through that, but I think all in all, they're proud of me and they're gonna someday take over the business. I love that. Yes. Jess, when you are not creating and growing Green List, what are you doing for fun? Coaching volleyball. Oh. <laughs> or walking my dog. Um, or reading. Those are kind of my favorite hobbies. Perfect. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Jess. Appreciate uh, you talking to us. So if our listeners want to learn more about Green List, where do they go? How do they find you? Our website is shopgreenlist.com. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. Well, we are all cheering for you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Great talking to y'all. Thanks, Jess. The M Word is an Arlington Strategy production hosted by Jennifer Mulchandani and Heather Michaelgard. Our theme music is by Ben Mulchandani, also known as Moochie. Graphic design by Kayla Fagan and Emily Rare. Sound engineering and editing by Ben Mulchandani. Thank you.